You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Exciting news. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who have been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com, and then definitely follow them on Instagram for all the information that you need, because I'm sure that's where you follow us as well, at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode. So down at Bedford's camera today with this beautiful lighting and setup. If you're not watching us on Facebook or YouTube, you should probably go to that. If you're listening in your car, you should probably just turn it off and then drive home and listen to and watch this podcast because the setup is absolutely amazing. Uh, but my guest today is Toby Rowland. Uh, if you don't know his face, you'll definitely know his voice, uh, especially if you're a Sooner fan. If you're an OSU fan, you won't like the sound of his voice because he's probably <laughs> calling all the games that OU has beaten OSU. Um, wow. But yeah, I mean, really appreciate you taking the time out to come down to Bedford uh, and record this podcast. Uh, you know, you, you, you're busy. You've had back surgery this year. We're almost at football season, so I know mm-hmm. you're gearing up for for a lot of stuff and, and basketball and everything else that's happening. Um, uh, but also promoting a new book as well. That's so, right. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you coming down and and you know how I guess we've just been speaking previously about this year and, and being in the college scene and doing everything that you do. It's a lot different to what you've done in the past. It's been a crazy year for, yeah. I mean, for everybody on planet Earth, right? But no, our year has has looked a lot different in 2020 um, because of of COVID and and no games. You know, that's what I, that's my primary job, and they got canceled in March, and the entire NCAA basketball tournament and the entire, almost the entire baseball season for OU got canceled, and uh, so that. That meant uh, our job took a different turn, and yeah, I was recovering from back surgery in the middle of all of it. So it's funny. I travel a lot and am away from my family too much, and the first uh, six, eight weeks of recovering from back surgery and going through this, my wife and daughter, I've got three kids, but one's still at home, were talking about how great it was to have dad around all the time. You know, this is the side benefit is dad's home a lot more than he used to be. Well, now they can't wait for me to go back to work. I've been, <laughs> I've been around. I've been around for months now, and they're so sick of me. They're like, Dad, don't you need to be somewhere? Yeah. So we're really, really ready for this football season to uh, kick off, and, and hopefully, fingers crossed, everything goes well. And. Mm. We can call some games and get back to a, a somewhat of a normalcy, and um, you know, I think I th- not only does my family need that, I think we all yeah. we all need that a little bit. Yeah, you're right. We all need something to just kind of take our minds off things and focus on, and that's the great thing about sports. And yeah. no matter where you're a fan of any team, like just having competitive sports to watch, you know. And my my father-in-law, like he loves sports. He's a huge KU fan. And like Sorry this, about that. Yeah, it's it's rough. Until March comes around, like it's kind of rough. Um, we'll have to wait till March next year now. But uh, you know, like he he finds himself like watching Formula One or watching golf or right. just watching reruns of sports. Like he can't just watch normal TV, you know. Uh, but yeah, he he's definitely one of the fans. It's like I. I cannot wait to get back to, to watching live sports. So, I mean, we're, we know 10, at 9, 10 days by the time this goes out. Um, everything, I assume, is ready to go now. You're, you're just counting down the days. Yeah, uh, pretty much ready to go. I mean, there's, there's always in this final stretch here um, in a normal year, there's a lot of unknowns when you're putting together a, a radio broadcast. So more so this year, trying to figure out. We've had to scale down our crew a little bit mm-hmm. from normal. Uh, we've got COVID restrictions that we're dealing with in the booth and on the sidelines. I was looking at an, at an email just before we started about something we normally do with the broadcast that we can't do this year because of, of COVID restrictions. And so uh, we're having to kind of figure out what we can do and can't do and how to work around some issues and mm-hmm. how to separate people in the radio booth and all those kinds of things. But uh, we'll get there. First uh, few days is always a little frantic, but that's fun too. We, you know, we've been sitting at home, like I said, forever. So yeah. uh, getting busy feels good. Yeah. It'll get old eventually, but yeah, yeah. No, I think we're ready. I think uh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be, we'll make it through it and we'll adjust on the fly. And, yeah. and, you know, one thing I keep telling my crew is 
because we're only going to have 25% of the people in the stadium, that we are going to have the biggest radio audiences that we have had probably since the invention of television, you know, or at least sports on television. There's going to be so many people that are used to going to the games that can't this year, Hmm. that even though our hands are a little bit tied because of not having as as full of a crew and everything, we've got to still have the best broadcast in the country. So we're going to try to do that. Yeah. What was the last game you called? Basketball game, February 18th. Yeah. We we had Baylor in Norman and lost. And I had surgery two days later. And uh, Was the surgery planned or were you like, oh, I'm going to handle this? No, the the surgery was planned. I was going to have to miss... I think three weeks yeah. of basketball games and then come back for the NCAA tournament. It couldn't wait any longer. I was yeah. at a pain point where it just I couldn't hardly make it to the car and back. And um, and so I was getting set to come back for the NCAA tournament mm. when uh, Rudy Gobert happened in downtown Oklahoma City and yeah. and everything stopped after that. Yeah. So it you know for the healing of a back it was perfect timing for uh, mental sanity. <laughs> it's been it's been uh, rough, but yeah. I feel good physically. I feel better than I have in a long long time. So I'm yeah. raring to go. Yeah. Awesome. So you know everyone knows you as voice of the Sooners and and you know hears you on the radio and all calling games and and commercials and stuff and and now as an author for the kids book that we'll t- definitely touch on later but let's go back uh you know we both graduated from SNU yeah. um born and raised in Oklahoma as well yeah yeah so you grew up here uh where'd you go to high school Indiana just three for a loop there uh, my dad's a pastor okay Nazarene minister yeah and I was I was in uh, the Crown Heights area of downtown mm-hmm. Oklahoma City for the first uh, five, six years of my life. He was the pastor of Crown Heights Church of the Nazarene. So grew up in downtown Oklahoma City, basically. Horace Mann Elementary School, uh, for people who know, not, not too awfully far from yeah. here. And uh, then we moved to Mustang. He took a church in Mustang. And so uh, that's kind of what I consider my hometown. I lived yeah. in Mustang uh, throughout elementary school and junior high. Started playing sports out there, soccer and basketball and everything, and and, uh, still love the Mustang area. Mm -hmm. Moved to Indiana. My dad uh, moved us to Indiana in eighth grade. So I went to high school in Newcastle, Indiana, uh, in the heart of basketball country, which was a lot of fun. We went to the same high school as Steve Alford and Kent Benson and some some greats up there of Indiana High School, and then came back here to go to College of Southern Nazarene okay. and and have stayed ever since. So I'm 47 almost, and all but five years I've, I've lived in yeah. Oklahoma. So this is this is my yeah. home. Uh, big sporting family, grew up loving sports, dad loved watching sports. Everything. Uh, I was a giant sports dork growing up. I was one of those. Deep that, in the stats. Everything, yeah. I, I watched it. I couldn't. Um, it was probably an early sign that when I watched a basketball game or a baseball game, I couldn't just watch. I had to have like a notebook in front of me and keep a box score. Uh, If it's a basketball game, I'd keep a running total of how many points everybody had scored when I was watching. I don't know how uh, healthy that is for a (laughs) seven-year-old, but I loved it. I'm, I'm six years older than my brother, so... You know, there was a while there where we couldn't necessarily play together. Eventually, we did, but I would yeah. play baseball by myself in the backyard and pitch it and hit it and go field it and tag myself out, and then I would have a final score somehow. Yeah. And I'd keep standings on all the teams. And mm-hmm. I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan, so the Reds would win the World Series every summer in my backyard. Awesome. And, um, so I was immersed in it. I couldn't get enough of it. I played, like I said, soccer and basketball. My dad was my coach. He loved sports. So it's always been a big part of my life, and um, you know when I uh, when I got to college at SNU, I went in as an accounting major, mm-hmm. and really kind of was one of those that was searching for exactly what I wanted to do. I, I was pretty good at math, mm-hmm. so I thought, you know, Short that counting, added safe up, bet. right? Yeah. yeah. And then I got into it, and uh, Rendell Garrett, I don't know, uh, I think he was gone before you got there. No, he was there. Was he still yeah, there? Yeah, he was great. Did you yeah. have his class? Yeah, it yeah. was miserable. Brutal. <laughs> it was horrific. He just write on the whiteboard and then turn around at the end of class and be like, okay, cool, just learn this. Yeah. <laughs> I can't read it. A tremendous teacher, because if you survived his class, you were probably meant to be a CPA. Definitely. And I didn't. I yeah. was not meant to be a CPA. And yeah. So I had that conversation with my dad in college, and 
And uh, he ended up, you know, we, we, he said, well, what would be your dream job? And I said, I can't think of anything cooler than getting paid to go to ball games. You know, if I could yeah. maybe work out something in the world of sports broadcasting, that would be amazing. And and he encouraged it. And we started trying to pursue a, a sports broadcasting career. Got an internship at Channel 9, which was huge for me my senior year in, in college, mm-hmm. which happened to be uh, 94, 95. And the Murrah building bombing happened yeah. in the spring of 95. So I was at Channel 9 when that happened. CBS National News came to town and set up camp in our building for a couple months mm-hmm. and got to interact with them and work with them. And um, it was an unbelievable learning experience in the middle of a tragic time, obviously. Yeah. Um, but that year at Channel 9 really created some... Uh, contacts and opened some doors for me that uh, when I, once I got out of college, um, you know, kind of helped get me going down the path yeah. of of broadcasting. Yeah, um, calling games started when I was at at SNU. My senior year, I was on the basketball team, but I was terrible. I, you know, I was I was on the bench and eating up a scholarship that um, the coach would rather have used on someone who was actually could play. <laughs> and so he kind of approached me and said. Uh, I got a deal for you. If you'll, I mean, didn't say these words, but I could read between yeah. the lines. If you'll give me the scholarship back that I'm wasting on you, yeah, uh, we'll give you an equivalent scholarship to start a sports information department. Because at the time, uh, SNU only had basketball and volleyball. Okay. And they were on the verge of launching a bunch of sports, golf, like golf, which else. you played. Football yeah. came along. Um, uh, Baseball, I don't even know what all. Yeah, yeah, baseball. Yeah, sure. Softball was about to start. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to need a sports information department, and and we'd like you to start that, and and you can call games because yeah. that's what you want to do. And I said, that's great. I don't have to run line drills anymore, and yeah. uh, I can eat all I want and and get a scholarship. So I did that. Learned how to call games. Um, Larry uh, uh, Mills. Mills. Yeah, I blinked. Larry Mills. So the chairman of the school of business was the play-by-play guy for basketball, yeah. and and I was his color guy, and we traveled around calling games, and and he would teach me on yeah. road trips, and in way too little airplanes, and he would uh, teach me this is how you do it, this is how you keep score, this is how you get in and out of breaks, this is what you're supposed to sound like, yeah. And I remember one day he goes, why don't you do the second half? And I was like, I, I'm <laughs> okay, <petrified."> yeah. <laughs> And I did it, and then we we started. Uh, I'd call the women's game, and he'd call the men's. And then one day he said, "I think I think you should do it now. I think you should be the the guy going forward." And and uh, you know taught me how to call a game, and and then we started football and baseball, and I had yeah. to learn how to call those sports. And it was really it was fantastic learning because now I'm blessed right. that we have. 10 people on our crew and we have an engineer and a statistician and a spotter and all these people and an engineer back in a studio to to help me do yeah. a broadcast my part's easy now back then it was a one-man show maybe two yeah and you set up your equipment you did all of your own engineering um you were your own stat statistician and everything and to learn how to do all that on your own was great kind of guerrilla mm-hmm. broadcasting that has really paid off on down the line yeah. for me. Was so I had, uh, I think it's Doctor Mills now. Yeah, I had him. He was Doctor Mills then. Okay, yeah. I had him for business classes, and I mean eight o'clock class, and he he, he does not have much enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. When he's you know he just like he knows his stuff. He stays at his tone, doesn't mm-hmm. he? And as a kid in student, you know, student in, in school, he's just like oh, it's just like how do I get to this hour? What was he like calling games? Did he have that upbeat enthusiasm, or was he just level-headed the whole time too? We're definitely different stylistically. Yeah, I get a lot more excited than Larry yeah. Mills did, uh, but that was fine. I mean, uh, I would say he calls a game in a very uh, kind of like he teaches. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a calm, soothing. He would be a great golf broadcaster. Oh, he'd yeah. be very yeah. Uh, calm, soothing tone. Yeah, I'm a little more. Uh, Hyper. Yeah, he's not. Way he's, more he's not going to be like the either Mexican or Italian commentators, which are screaming down the microphone no. and go and all the rest. Like he's not. He's the total opposite. If we hit a game-winning shot, you know, I may uh, 
break the equipment yeah. and I'm yelling so loud. His would just slightly move the bar. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> <laughs> but it was so good a, to learn from. It was a, you know, it was, he was technically brilliant. Yeah. And all the stuff that goes around, just keeping your own stats and interviewing coaches and getting in and out of breaks, like I said, and, and the production of a broadcast, setting up equipment, all that kind of stuff. I had no idea. Yeah. And I had not only someone willing to teach me, but, um, a brilliant guy. We talked like uh, on road trips and stuff. We would talk business too. I mean, he talked yeah. to me about you need to be doing this for retirement funds and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And yeah. I, I owe him a debt of gratitude to this day. I mean, Bobby Martin, who was our mm-hmm. athletic director, who allowed me to kind of get you know started down that path, and then Larry Mills to have the unselfishness yeah. to say, I see some promise in you. I'll step into the shadows and you take mm-hmm. over here. Um, you know, that's what he that's does. Special. That's what a professor does. He's trying to launch mm. careers, business careers is what I normally does. But he, you know, launched a broadcasting career with his unselfishness, yeah. which I, I love him forever. Him, him and his wife, Judy, they've done great things for the community yeah. and SNU and people. BFC and, and just Bethany as a whole. Like they, they're a treasure for sure. And uh, I do see him every now and then. I pop into school or I see him at a game or I, I kind of pass him and just kind of say hello. And he's, yeah, he hasn't changed one bit. That's awesome. He's a great basketball player too. He's a big that, guy. Yeah, he is. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard. He was, was it national championship winning or was he on the team or coached the winning, something like that, right? Yeah, he I don't think it. he was on the 81 Close team. I think he I think he might've been a, an assistant for Lauren Gresham That's on right. that team perhaps. Yeah. But um Great people. I mean, I have such fond memories, and I'm still around SNU a little bit. Mm-hmm. My dad's on the on the board there and stuff, but uh, such great memories of my time there, the friends I made there. Mm-hmm. But the professors really bent over backwards to, you know, help me. Like there wasn't really a broadcast journalism degree. Yeah. And Pam Broyles, Marsha Faisal, and Jim Wilcox, who unfortunately passed away not long ago. They went out of their way to kind of cobble something together to arrange the Channel 9 internship and um, help. I mean, help. Mm. And then, you know, everything else I've already mentioned. It was nothing but tremendous memories of SNU. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, a similar experience. I mean, they've been great to me and continued friendships with a lot of the professors. And, you know, it's just a great – it's amazing. I I go places, and they say, you know, where'd you go to school? And and I tell them, and they say, oh, I know this person from there. Mm -hmm. It's such a small school, SNU is. Like, it has such a wide reach nationally and internationally, which is is really cool to see. You know, you go to a college golf tournament or you go to an amateur golf tournament, you carry your SNU bag, and someone comes up to you and is like, oh, I I know that school. I'm like, you do? Really? (laughs) Uh, You know, it's just kind of cool. But So that season, that that, that senior year, and that that, that really lit your fire for broadcasting and gave you the – you know, you you got the buzz. And the opportunity, and you knew you this is just something that you could definitely do. The the doors, I guess, were starting to open. I would say when I was growing up, I loved listening to games on the radio. Uh-huh. Um, there were games on TV, but not as much as now. But I loved John Brooks calling OU games. I you know trying to imagine in my head what they were describing on the radio. Yeah. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm a big Reds fan. Marty Brenneman was the year, uh, voice of the Reds for 40 years. And I probably, I've listened to thousands of Marty Brenneman games. Mm. And something about that medium I really enjoyed. And so when I got a chance to do it in college, and I was interested in everything in sports broadcasting, but when I got a chance to do it, a light bulb went off. I was mm. like, this is awesome. I can't, like, this is a profession. Yeah, You know, I'm going to games. I get to do what John Brooks was doing and Bob Barry and, and Marty Brenneman. And, and so, yeah, it, it quickly became the most fun you could have. And how do I figure out a way to do this for a living? Mm -hmm. And the best possible job you could have in that profession for Toby Rowland, who grew up in Mustang, Oklahoma, listening to OU all the time and loving OU was, would be to be the voice of the Sooners. That would be better than the Yankees. That would be better than yeah. the Dodgers or the Dallas Cowboys or anything. But if I could get, you know, something in this profession, uh, that would be the best possible job I could have. So yeah. um, even when I was at Channel 9 for a decade in a different kind of world there, I tried to keep my toe in the 
pond of calling games on the side, high school games, college games, got to do a little bit of stuff for OU and and always thought, man, I, I hope I could get back someday to yeah. this being what I do yeah. all the time. So you went straight from the internship then into a full-time position at, at Channel 9? Well, there was about, no, there was four years after college when I was the sports information director at, at SNU. Oh, okay. Yeah. Stayed at SNU. Yeah. But stayed in uh, close contact with uh, the Channel 9 gang. Sure. So it was Bill Teagans was there when I interned. And um, <laughs> Chris Harrison, who is the host of The Bachelor now, mm-hmm. yeah. worked at Channel 9 when I was there. We remained, OCU grad, right? OCU yeah. grad, yeah, soccer player. Mm-hmm. We remained great friends to this day. Uh, Ed Murray was there. And I kept in close contact with those guys and always bugged them, hey, someday when something opens up, don't forget about me. Yeah. And sure enough, about four or five years after I graduated, they had a part-time uh, position open for a producer who put together their Sunday night shows. They had a bigger show on Sunday mm-hmm. nights and asked me if I'd be interested. And I and so I did. I could do SNU and that. Yeah. But I got my foot in the door and then it became a full-time position and I quit SNU and just went to Channel 9. And then I begged them to let me do something on the air. And finally, they got sick of me asking. And so they said, I'll tell you what, do the weekend morning show. You can do a little sports cast on the like five o'clock on Saturday morning. Nobody's yeah, no watching. No one's watching. <laughs> and I, I, I remember vividly, I didn't sleep the night before. Yeah. I got there way too early. I put together the greatest 5 a.m. sports cast ever. I think there were some soccer highlights in it. Uh-huh. And I remember going to the mall later that day with my wife. And looking around like, oh, I can't wait till somebody recognizes me because I was, <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to be instantaneous fame because yeah. I got to do a 5 a.m. Uh, sportscast. Yeah. But, you know, they kept letting me do that and then uh, kind of worked my way up the ladder there. And Again, another fortunate opportunity of great people. Bill Teagans, we lost him in the, in the OSU plane crash, but uh, he was such a great mentor and, and cheerleader for mm-hmm. me. Uh, another guy who I learned from and how to call games and relate to fan bases, Dean Blevins had, was such a great friend and mentor for me, and we worked together close for 10 years. And we, you know, there were nights where we didn't get along very well, but a lot of nights where we did, and yeah. and you, that happens when you work that closely with someone. Greg Blackwood, who I still work with today at OU, and Chris and Ed, and on and on and on, Stan Chase. Uh, so many great people who not only supported my career, but even to this day have have been good friends and, and yeah, cheerleaders. That's awesome. So then, you know, so you're at Nat Channel 9 for a decade, just like knocking on the door and then you get your shot at nine uh, at 5 a.m. And then how long are you doing the 5 a.m. till they'd say, oh, okay, like you are, we are, you know, we see your talent in you, like you're going to get a good spot now. Um, well, I, I, prob- I, I don't think I was on the air for the first year and a half I was there. Then mm-hmm. I started getting some early morning stuff. And then the three position came open, which is kind of the, uh, you know, the, the reporter. You're not hosting on the, you're not really anchoring, but you get to turn some stories once yeah. in a while. And that was a lot more on-air experience. Out um, in the field? Out in the field, yeah. covering games, high school games, whatever, uh, turning stories. Mm-hmm. I liked that a lot because I got to write. I loved to write, and so I could do some feature stories, and yeah, and that was great. Um, did that for a couple of years, and then the, the two position came open, which is um, you know, the weekend anchor as well as doing some stories. And, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where I stuck and, uh, for as long as I was there as the weekend anchor. And so... Um, yeah, that's yeah. I hunt and pecked my way up the ladder a little bit at Channel Nine and got more and more experience under my belt and would have been happy doing that for the rest of my life. I mean, it's a hard life. Yeah, for to have a family. Um, I had a couple of little boys at the time when we were at, at Channel Nine, and I didn't get to, you know, I missed a lot of baseball games and and helping with homework in the evenings mm-hmm. because you're working nights. You know, yeah. you're you're going in at noon and not getting home until midnight and so it was a hard life but i loved it and yeah. um you know I, I, so who knows and that so maybe that, maybe i'll go back to it someday put in all your time put in all the hours the years of, of doing this and then the opportunity to you comes up mm-hmm. and then you are one of i guess a few people to get that to apply for that job what, what was that experience like well um i was on the crew as the sideline guy i got mm-hmm. the uh, job as the sideline guy in 09 yeah so I had been, which was huge. 
but I'd been on the crew for a couple of years when Bob Barry announced he was retiring as the play-by-play mm-hmm. voice. And I mean, that's, you know, the golden egg. I right, mean, that's, yeah. that's the one that you that always is, talk about, man, yeah. wouldn't that be awesome? Who knows? He announced he was retiring and I uh, talked to my wife and said, or she said to me, you're going to try for this, right? And <laughs> Which I said, is a great thing for I your said, wife. Yeah. Well, I mean, she knew. We talked yeah. about it forever. She knew. And I said, well, of course, I'm going to put my name in, um, you know, the hunt. But just so you know, we've got no chance at getting this job because uh, there's a lot more experienced broadcasters out there who are going to be interested in this. And Yeah. It's a huge position. It's a huge position. Uh, Walter Cronkite started as the voice of the Sooners. Kurt Gowdy, John Brooks, Bob Barry, Mike Trepps. I yeah. mean, it's been... It's one of the biggest chairs in sports broadcasting. The voice of the Oklahoma Sooners has been a kingmaker, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been fan- it's been unbelievable the names they've churned out. So, and it's a school that, and an athletic department that is in the hunt for everything. They're on the biggest stage in football, yeah. basketball, baseball, you name it. I mean, OU has been really, really good for a long time. So just temper your enthusiasm. Yeah, we yeah, we yeah. got no... Well, and also it's not a position that's like, you, you know, you spend 10 years at maybe and that's it. Like this is a long position too, right? Like it's kind so. of a position that it has people been. in the past have yeah. done it till they have decided they're going to step right. away rather than, you know, uh, which is great. Like they want consistency. Right. They want you to be on there and, and be the voice and they want fans to listen that maybe grew up listening to you when they may be playing or going to the school and then listen to you after they graduate. Right. right. And that's, well, that's why you yeah. throw your hat in the ring. Cause you don't know if it's going to come open again in your lifetime. Yeah. But I was in my mid thirties. I was young and didn't think I had much of a chance, but yeah. we, um, you know, they, they cut it to the top five and we had some, uh, uh, phone interviews, and I remember being excited just about that. Just like, I, I have was thinking, an opportunity, I have a chance. Well, and I and I told I told Jenny if if even if we don't get the job, we can always tell people, hey, we were one of the top five candidates. You know, I mean, that's how big of a deal it was. And then they cut it to the top three, and the same thing. I was like, well, they're probably just throwing me a bone because I'm yeah. the sideline guy. But now we can tell people, hey, I was one of the top three candidates. Yeah, and uh, we. That's uh, <laughs> a funny story. Actually went to campus for interviews uh, when they narrowed it to the top three, and I met with Joe Castiglione, the athletic director, and that went great. We knew each other well. Um, my wife made me buy a new suit for the interviews and everything, and then he walked me over to President Boren's office, and I didn't—I never met President Boren. I knew of him, obviously. Yeah. Very intimidating man. Uh, has worked in intelligence at the highest levels in the, the government, and we met and. He knew everything about me when I walked in. Like he knew my family's names. He knew all my teachers at Southern Nazarene. He'd done his research. But we had a great conversation for an hour and a half. We had a we talked about the job. We talked about the history of the job. We talked about my family. It was so comfortable. Yeah. And it was going really well. And I remember he looked at his watch and he said, Oh, I'm going to have to let you go. Henry Kissinger's coming over the house tonight, and I got to get home. And I thought, blew my <laughs> mind. I thought, that's the first and last time anybody will ever tell me they got to yeah. go because Henry Kissinger's coming over the house. But I left and, and skipped back across campus to my car, and I called my wife, and I said, we might get this job Yeah, because it went that well. And she goes, don't get your hopes up. You know? <laughs> and uh, sure enough, you yeah. know, they called a, a couple of days later and offered us a job, and I don't know if I was their first choice or 10th choice, but it has been a an absolute life changer for us. Yeah. It has been a better than we could have imagined. We imagined big things, mm-hmm. you know, and the places we've got to go and the games we've got to call and the people we've met and players and coaches and everything has been unbelievable. Dream. It is a dream. Yeah. It really is. I, there's nothing I'd rather be doing yeah. in, this, in this world. Oh, it's, I, I got goosebumps thinking about it. It's, I mean, yeah, like... You get that job and then, you know, you, you, you're straight to work, I guess, right? Like, Don't screw it you up. Know? Yeah, like, yeah. Don't, you know, eggshells and all the rest, walk on eggshells and all the rest of it. But, um, I mean, what's first game? What, you know, what, what's it was that terrible. whole experience? Well, it was a terrible idea, and I've given my boss a hard time about it since. But my first game was a spring game, yeah. the, the red-white spring game, which I've learned is the hardest thing that we do because 
there's no real teams. There's a red team and a white team, and in the middle of the game, the guys on the white team may switch to the red team and back and forth, and nobody really knows what numbers <laughs> so anybody's wearing. The hottest game they may ever. change jerseys in the middle of the game. Yeah. The scoring system changes in the middle of the game. The coach just makes things up. Sometimes they'll throw a flag and pick it up, and there's no announcement as to what just happened. Uh, Bob Stoops back then would like, there'd be two and a half minutes left in the game, and he'd just say, ah, we've had enough. I mean, it's not a real game. Yeah. But this is the first opportunity for OU fans to hear what the new play-by-play guy sounds like. And you can't really get too excited when someone scores a touchdown sure. because you're scoring a touchdown, but you're also giving up a touchdown. Yeah. So your defense also just, you know, it's just a weird thing. And it was a terrible idea for that to be the first game that I called. Yeah. But... um uh, it you know it it happened and they didn't fire me and uh, that was good and then we went on about the rest of the season so uh, so I mean what was that regular that that first regular season game probably would have been a warm up game right would have been Tulsa or somebody or mm-hmm. somebody coming it in before Tulsa. like an actual Big Ten game yeah it was it was uh it was Tulsa what year is that uh, that would 2011. I want to say I was at that game. That might have even been my first OU game. Really? Yeah. How about that? Because um, a guy from Bethany was playing maybe. No, maybe. No, it wouldn't have been because he, Garrett McGrady played for yeah. Tulsa for a little bit. He played for Tulsa. but Paul I think McGrady's it, Yeah, Paul McGrady's yeah. But Garrett, I think Garrett played, it was later, I want to say, because I now remember going to that game just to specifically see him being there. Um, sad story, he broke his femur in practice and never was the same. Uh, horrific accident in practice. But yeah, Paul, so Garrett, Paul McGrady's son yeah. played at Tulsa. So that, that was not the same year, but that was my first year at SNU, my first year in the States, and my first yeah. experience to college American football I'd never seen anything like it Owen Field yeah. seeing all the pageantry and never everything. seen anything like it yeah it's special yeah now, I, I was nervous I was trying to act like I wasn't nervous but I was nervous um, you know there was a lot of talk about you know what what's the catchphrases going to be and what's he going to say when they score touchdowns and all this and I was in my head a little bit about uh, I got to say something that's going to blow people's socks off. And sure. if I listen, I, I wouldn't listen back because I know if I listened back, I would I would hate what I heard. But uh, I remember I remember being pretty nervous. I honestly, um, I think the first year or so went okay, mm-hmm. but I was not super comfortable because I was hearing the comparisons, and I should have been better at blocking out. The comparisons. I stayed off of message boards, yeah. but there's a lot of social media out there, and I was on social media, and it's just natural. I'm not. I would have done it. Yeah. You know, if if I had heard, and I did, I heard Bob Barry's voice voice forever. Whoever the next guy was wouldn't have sounded right, you know, because yeah. it's just different. Yeah, it's change. Yeah. I grew up hearing this voice, and now it's. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad or whatever. Yeah. You're not going to like it for a while, and so. I heard some of that, and I was trying to figure out how do I how do I get that to go away. And I remember um, I heard a podcast with Vince Scully about a year into the job, and he had a similar situation. He was in his first year with the Brooklyn Dodgers, way back when. He finished a game one day, and Red Barber came in, who was his predecessor, and was mad at him. Was mad at Vin, uh-huh. and. He, you know, Vin goes, what are you mad at me about? And he said, I didn't hire you to be like me. I hired you to be you. Quit trying to be Red Barber and be Vin Scully. And it was like a light bulb went off in my head. So it was like peace came over my body because I was like, oh, I can never be as good of a Bob Barry as Bob Barry. And I can never be as good of a John Brooks as John Brooks. But nobody can ever be as good of a Toby Rowland as I can be. Just quit trying to compare yourself and go do you and it'll either be, either be good enough or it won't be good enough but I can be the be- I can be the best if I just be myself mm-hmm. and from that point on I've had a real I think a comfort in my call and a peace about it and I know everyone doesn't like me but yeah well you're gonna have people who don't like you know they're all the, the older guys who love the old team or what loves the old commentator or whatever sure. it is but like you know it's it's your style and you are natural and you also now are comfortable with the style right. that you have like you said you're not trying to be someone else because that's not doing you a service that's not that's not doing them any value either you know it's like you know and the listener as well it, especially with audio 
they can tell in your voice mm-hmm. if you're not confident, if you're nervous or whatever it is. Sure. Like it's it's much easier, isn't it? If you're just listening and you're like, oh, like you know, he he's not clear in his thoughts. There's no flow to the conversation or flow to the way he's calling things. Uh, and I'm sure from that day, it was like, yeah. Now now it's kind of a freeing that I'm just. It's gonna been go more be fun. It's yeah. been it's more fun. You know, I can just I can call a game the way I like to call a game and be me. Mm. And I really hope people enjoy that. And if they don't. I'm sorry, but I've I I've got to do it that yeah. way, and and uh, it for the from that point on, it's been uh, a lot more relaxing, yeah. and I think I've kind of settled in. And also, like if you don't love what you do, it's easy. It comes across, sure. Isn't it? But right. clearly, you absolutely love what you do. This do. is a dream job. Yeah. You know, you probably wake up every morning and the season's about to start. And like, I actually still get to do this every day. Are you serious? A hundred percent. It is never. Not giving me chills when I walk into that radio booth in Owen Field and look out on the field and I look at that chair that we get to sit in and call, and I t- chills come over me every yeah. time. Ten years now, and every time I get chills, I cannot believe we get to do this. Yeah, and now with like with the new stadium, now mm-hmm. the last year a new stadium was done or a year before, whenever it was finished. You know, coming in that day, I'm sure was like, whoa, like right, we have a stadium now. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> it, it just feels much bigger or much better. It's a big deal. I mean, yeah. OU, OU football is a big deal, and uh, to get to be a part of it is really cool. Yeah, and then obviously it's not just football, right? You know, it's mm-hmm. basketball too, and and they they're a totally different play calling, right? You know, it's, it's different sports, different things. To is basketball easier than football? You know, that's a good. I, I do baseball, basketball, and football, mm-hmm. and, and I uh, get asked a lot, which do you enjoy the most? And that's a that's like asking, you know, which of your kids do you love the most? You yeah. know, it's the are, first born, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> which the whichever one will take care of me in my old age yeah. is the answer. Um, they're all different. I mean, they're really different in how you go about trying to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite is basketball okay. because I played basketball. Um, it comes a little more naturally. It flows for me more naturally. The terminology, the the, the coaching, the thought process, what's trying to be accomplished on the floor, all that kind of stuff comes naturally. A basketball game is quick when you're calling it. It's fast action. It's almost a continuous flow (laughs) of words trying to describe what's going on on the court in front of you. I see it, mouth calls it, boom, 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 boom. And I like that. That's a yeah. lot of fun. I mean, it's a runaway roller coaster, and you you got to hang mm-hmm. on. But for two hours, uh, it's about as much fun as you can have. Uh, baseball, I've probably listened to more baseball on the radio than anything else. And I think a well-called baseball game is romantic. I mean, you've got three, four hours with a listener. Uh, it's a slow pace. There's about 15 minutes of action in that three or four hours. Yeah. And so there's a lot of dead space to fill yeah. with storytelling. What does this moment mean? Uh, I call a lot of games by myself. And there's an artistry to being able to call a baseball game in a manner in which people want to listen. That's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. But if you can do it well, like Vin Scully... Um, and like you know, a, a lot of guys in the pros. But if you can do it well, then it's probably the hardest thing to execute in play-by-play. Yeah. And I love the challenge. I love baseball, the sport, and I love the challenge of trying to put forth an interesting baseball broadcast. Mm-hmm. Football is the monster. You know, football at OU is the monster. Yeah. The actual call of the play is very regimented. There's almost a a formula by which you need to call each play. I need to set up the formation. I need to describe the action. Then I need to give the down and distance and the time and the clock. And then I get out of the way for the color analyst to talk. And then I do it all over again. Yeah. What's the formation called? So there's a formula to it. It's very regimented. There's a little room for creativity when somebody you know actually throws the ball or runs the ball. Not as much as in basketball. But it's the totality of an OU broadcast. I mean, it's a seven hour, seven or eight hour broadcast. We've got 10 or 11 people that are working on it. We've got 85,000 people in the stands, 35 radio affiliates, and it's streaming all over the world. And we hear it, you know, we hear from people in Israel and Russia and Japan who are listening up in the middle of the night to an OU football game. And so you add all of that up and that's what makes 
calling a football game special, yeah. you know? The actual calling of a play, I wouldn't say it's the most fun you can have, mm-hmm. but the totality of the broadcast is make what is what makes your blood rush for OU yeah, football. Yeah, that impact and reach. And like, mm-hmm. like you said, you have someone halfway around the world who's woken up, set their alarm to listen to an OU football game, yeah. and you're the voice that's giving it them the action. I tell you, the, I think the coolest thing and the biggest compliment you can get is when we look out of our press box window and people are wearing headphones in the crowd. Mm. And you think, you know, there are people who have no option but then to hear us. They're in a car on a cross-country trip or whatever, and the radio is their only option. But then there are people at home or especially in the stadium who have decided, I want to experience this with you. Yeah, I don't have to. I could just watch the game. Or if I'm at home, I've got a television broadcast. I don't have to turn down the TV and turn up the radio. But they have decided that they prefer to experience an OU football game with you yeah. and with your crew. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. You that know, is, I mean, that, really yeah, cool. we look around and we're, we're on the road or whatever, and you look down and you see people wearing headphones and stuff, and you're like, golly, that's so cool that they've. Yeah. That's a lot of effort to go to to bring it to the game and tune it in and decide to yeah. experience it with us. That's pretty. Well, neat. I mean, what stands out as some of the best moments? I mean, across all sports. I mean, you, you've had so many athletes that you've covered. Um, you know, that are now professional athletes are doing great things, uh, and so many games that you know you've been to and and the you know the Alabama game and and Trey Young just going off and mm-hmm. baseball guys who are now in you know in, in the MLB and stuff like that. Like, is there any that? And they might not even be a big game that stands out, but is there one that, or a couple of games that stand out that's like, man, this is uh, that that was a good day. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, you know, we in football, we, they've they've had the opportunity to win a bunch of mm-hmm. Big Twelve championships and um, play in Sugar Bowls and Rose Bowls and Orange Bowls and everything. I think that when you get to take a road trip to some of these other iconic venues that those are real pinch me moments you know mm-hmm. when we got to go to Notre Dame and call a game you're, you see touchdown Jesus and and um, where you know here's where the movie Rudy was shot yeah. and everything the, the gold gold dome and when we got to go to Tennessee and that was an unbelievable a game that game. night Wonder. yeah but wild you're right there on the Tennessee River in the middle of the Tennessee mountains and the checkerboard end zone and these things you've seen all your life mm. that you're in the middle of. Ohio State had a game at Ohio State. that That's the night that Baker planted the flag at midfield. And so when you get to go, obviously, the Rose Bowl and some of these yeah. other iconic venues that growing up such a big fan of sports, um, not only do you get to be there, but to call a game there. Mm. It, those are the those are really cool moments for yeah. us as a crew. Um, for basketball, I mean, the year that they made the Final Four run and the the whole journey with Buddy Heald was as much fun as you can possibly have. He was such a great character, a great player, a great interview. Um, I've never seen anybody in any sport that I've called where the opposing crowd cheered for them and embraced them like buddy yeah you know trey was pretty universally disliked by opposing fans baker was universally disliked by and that's usually the way it is you know blake griffin a great player everybody else hated him because he was on our team yeah buddy won everybody over that's special i remember uh we were in manhattan one night for a, a kansas state game and uh we get off the bus and I I go to you know broadcast spot courtside and I'm setting up the crew the equipment and here comes Buddy running he's always the first one onto the court running out of the locker room and onto the court and at Kansas State the fans get there way early the students get there way early and Buddy runs out of the tunnel and they just rain booze on him you know it's just two thousand kids probably there already yeah. boo you know they're yelling all kinds of stuff at him and Buddy grabs a basketball and shoots a three and makes it, shoots another and makes it another. He makes about 10 in a row, and all of a sudden the students are like murmuring, you know, a little bit. <laughs> I got we're in trouble. <laughs> He's working his way around the key, three, 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 drains it. He's made about 20 straight threes without missing, fresh off the bus. Yeah. And now, 
like with every make, you can hear this like, whoa, you know, and he makes another one and then there's some applause. He makes another one. They're like cheering. He gets to 30 straight. And with every shot he's making, yeah. now they're going wild because they cannot believe what they're watching. He missed after 34 straight makes. He missed one. And they go bananas. They start cheering. And he turns and points at him and winks. And then goes back. <laughs> and in like three minutes, yeah. he's gone from enemy to hero. Yeah. And he had him the rest of the night, you know, whatever he did. So he had such an infectious personality about him that even we were at Kansas and lost one night in triple overtime and they gave him a standing ovation after the game. So Which at Kansas is a huge deal. Yeah, they yeah. hate us in Kansas. So oh, yeah. uh, I, I think covering him in that year was the most fun I've had in you know, pick a game mm-hmm. in uh, in basketball. Baseball's, like I said, I love baseball. And not all uh, play-by-play guys who do football and basketball do baseball. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of us. There's, I don't know, five or ten around the country. But I asked to do it. I love to call baseball games. And there are some moments that baseball gives you where you have a comeback in the bottom of the ninth or a walk-off home run or a Big 12 championship or whatever the case may be yeah. that are as good as it gets because it's it's an unscripted moment. You know, There's nothing like that game-winning shot at the buzzer or a walk-off home run that gets your juices flowing. So there's been a lot of great baseball yeah. moments too. Uh, we're running out of time soon, so we'll close on this. Tell me about the book, the new book that's yeah. come out, the kid's book. Um, seems to be doing great. You know, a, a so. crazy time to release a book, I yeah. assume, right, with COVID and, and stuff like that. Or even might even be a great time to release a book. But, you know, first kid's book, first book you've written? That Yeah, first one. Um, it's called Unhitch the Wagon, the story of Boomer and Sooner. Children's book. It's going to take you about seven minutes to plow through it. It's not heavy reading at all, but it's the rhyming tale of two ponies named Bud and Benny who uh, grow up on the Oklahoma prairie, and they have the dream of someday becoming the ponies, Boomer and Sooner, that pull the Sooner schooner. But they've got to earn the right to do that. And so in an effort to uh, earn their stripes, uh, their adventures kind of take them through the Big 12 Conference a little bit in a creative way without calling out our rivals uh, <laughs> to prove that they belong to be, or they deserve to be Boomer and Sooner. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's doing well. I don't have no, I have nothing to compare it to. I don't know if this is a good time or a bad time to release a book, but it's the way it worked out. And Sooner Nation has been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I think the first day we announced it was even open for pre-orders, it went to uh, number one on, uh, on, what was the category on Amazon? children's football books or okay. something like that. I didn't even know there had a category yeah. like that, but it's uh, we've had a lot of, of great retailers pick it up and people have ordered them and it's fun. I've never done anything like this before. I'm really happy with how it turned out. I think it's something that either as a birthday gift or a Christmas gift mm-hmm. or just to add to your OU collection, you throw it on the shelf next to your Dr. Seuss books and, and some yeah. night pick it out and read, maybe the night before a game, pick it out and uh, read to your kids about the, the adventures of Bud and Benny. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been a, it's yeah. been, it's been fun. Well, something you, new. You've been doing book signings before, obviously mm-hmm. now we're you know, going to get busy and, and into game stuff, but yeah, I've seen you following social media and, and you look like you've been around promoting it, traveling it. And uh, it's exciting. And like I said, it's something totally different. It's a kid's book, which not a lot of people do. And, and it, you know, I'm sure your kids love it and wife's all about it as well. So We're all on board. It's uh, not often these days something new comes into your life, but uh, this has been a cool new adventure, Mm -hmm. and I think it's surprised us a little bit how uh, well it's been received. I think we had hopes that, hey, maybe some people will buy this thing, but we're going to do it. But uh, it's kind of exploded on us here. and Awesome. Yeah, that's been great. Yeah. And I get to do this podcast because of it. Exactly. Yeah, I appreciate that. This Uh, is the highlight of it all. Thank you so much. Last thing, we've got, you know, season's about to start. What are you excited about? What are you looking forward to? Any players coming in that you're super excited to call and see and, and you know, see how they can impact Big Ten and OU? Well, it's, uh, you know, they just yesterday announced uh, that Spencer Rattler is going to be the quarterback this year. So, obviously, you know, you guys start with that. Lincoln has been the quarterback whisperer at OU. And, yeah. and whether it's Baker or Kyler or Jalen Hurts, Whoever's played that position under him has been a star. And so it'll be very intriguing to see if this kid with so much talent and potential can kind of be the next 
star quarterback at OU. I think the intriguing thing about this year is that at the positions where they're normally really deep and where they have, you know, big time stars, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, we really don't know who it's going to be now yeah. because a lot of those names have either graduated and gone to the NFL or have opted out or transferred. And so you know some stars are going to emerge, but you don't know who they are going into the year. Mm. So there's, you know, there's, there's a opportunity there for somebody to become the next big star at OU yeah. and just to kind of get to sit back and see, is it going to be Charleston Rambo? Is it going to be TJ Pledger? Is it going to be Marvin Mims, one of these highly touted freshmen that comes in? Um, I don't know. It's a, it's an unwritten script, and uh, we get to start seeing how it plays out. Super exciting. Uh, yeah, I mean, really appreciate you coming down. Really appreciate Bedford's for setting up this amazing, you know, this studio that, that we're in today. And um, excited to, to see, like you said, everything, you know, you're coming in and, and you, it's coming into an unknown, right? You don't know who's going to step up. Whereas yeah. in previous years, you'd be like, oh, Shepard's amazing. He's yeah. going to do his thing. You know, Broyles is doing his thing or whatever. And and, and Baker's still coming back. Like it's, you know, you kind of know what's going to happen right but this year is so many unknowns and, and obviously with covid and, and having a smaller team that you have and just being able to adjust and do those things it's uh it's exciting i'm sure you know it's been nervous and and can be different but no doubt you're going to adapt to it no you're going to do the best thing they can to uh, to produce the best broadcast and also you know win another championship and, and hopefully win a national championship right that'd be great so. that'd be great we're gonna try to have the best broadcast in the country and win the national championship yeah that'd there be a good go. year that's a good year that's right <laughs> yeah well mate, i really appreciate your time uh how can people follow you on social media and then sure. how can they buy the book uh i'm on twitter at t row ou and um, I think uh, Instagram is Sooner Voice. And then you can buy the book on Amazon or Barnes & Noble online. We're at about, I think we're up to like 15 or 20 retailers across the state now, whether you're in Oklahoma City or, or Tulsa. And I've got those on, on my social media too. So great, check it out. Awesome. Thank you, Mary. Really appreciate you. your time. It's been awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast was presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who've been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at OklahomaHOF.com and definitely on Instagram at OklahomaHOF. Catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.